Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Dan Gobi Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back in the apex this weekend for UFC Vegas 75, headlined by Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. We'll be breaking down that fight and two other of our favorite fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think are going to make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, we're bringing you the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is our interview with Miles Johns, who fights Rayoni Barcelos this weekend. And a little bit later on, we'll be talking to Modestus Bukoskis, who's fighting Zach Ponga. Now, before we get to any of that great content, we do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. This is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, very drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink? Certainly couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers just don't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, hot high handicap hackers, committed cornhole hawkers, or even just professional poolside posers who like to game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Journal MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Miles Johns, who fights. Rayoni Barcelos at UFC Vegas 75. That fight is on June 17th. So, uh, Miles, I wanted to start here. I-, I noticed that your your training situation has changed. I know originally you were at Fortis MMA. I-, I see now that you're training with Marathon MMA. Sort of what caused that change? What what, what led you to change gyms? You know, I've been there for a long time, for about um, 10 years. And I'm originally from the Kansas area, so... I don't know. It was, a, it was a mix of things. I felt like it was time um, for something new to see some different things as a fighter and kind of uh, slow down a little bit and learn and do some different technique things. But also we wanted to get closer to family. So it was kind of like a combination of things that led us this way. That's interesting. Now, you know, obviously you're working with UFC veteran Trey Ogden instead of Save Saud. Both of them, you know, well-respected coaches, has there been a big difference in your training camp? Do you feel different going into this fight with, with a little bit of different tutelage behind you? I do. Originally, I came here to work with James Krause. Um, I, I came to, um, and I was playing on um, training at Glory, but obviously that um, that ship sailed and that got shut down and stuff. So um, so then I found Trey through, through that all. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been the change that I was looking for. You know, when I first went to Glory – I felt like James was maybe not as invested. Um, it wasn't really the James that I, I guess, came here for, the James that I was expecting. I think his mind was just kind of sidetracked. He had a lot of other things going on. But Trey has been under him for a long time. He's one of his pupils, one of his um, 
and one of those guys that knew he was going to have a gym in the future. So just writing everything down and just like fully immersed in the coaching thing. And he's, he's a great fighter, obviously, but his coaching is just on another level. So, um, so it ended up working out, you know, there was a little bit of a time where I wasn't sure what I was going to do. You know, it seemed like things weren't working out, you know, with, uh, the move and then the glory getting shut down and James not being able to coach, but, Luckily, I was able to find Trey, and now I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be. Well, that's great to hear. Now, a lot of people know what Save Side is like as a coach. They know what a lot of those famous coaches are, like, you know, the Faraz Zahabis and, the, you know, John Marquez's and stuff like that. Give us a little bit of what is, what is Trey Ogden like for you? Give us the crib notes on it. Yeah, I'm, well, Trey, I mean, first, I'd, I'd love to say uh, I think Save Side is one of the best coaches in the game. You know, I think um, – He's highly respected for a reason. You know, I've learned so much for him. I have a ton of respect for him. I'm very grateful for the time that I spent there with him. My brother's still under him, and I just love those guys at Fortis. You know, I'm, uh, I uh, attribute a lot of my success to Coach Safe. But um, with Trey, with at Fortis, um, it's just, things are just a little bit different. I feel like with Trey here, I get to slow things down. You know, I, lear- I really learned how to fight. I learned a little mentality of it, a lot of, like, the best of just fighting, like, adult, like, how to fight like a dog and how to, and how to get the win when things get tough, you know, safe really is able to pull that out of you. But I've also been wrestling my whole life and stuff. So I've had like a lifetime of learning that. And now I feel like I'm slowing it down. And I'm learning some of the technique and some of the details that I think could change and make a big difference um, at the highest level, make a big difference in my game. Cause at the highest level, it's just a game inches and one little, one little thing can change the fight. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned your brother in here too. Cause I was actually going to ask you, you know, your brother Elijah lined up for an LFA title shot, a big moment for him. Is it a little hard not not being in the gym with him as he as he enters, you know, what what might wind up being his his ticket to the big show? It is. You know, I I miss him, you know, obviously I loved having him um with me and everything, but we talk a lot, you know, and um we're just on like we're on different paths. I think that it was kind of a good time for him to be able to grow and kind of take not be just in my footsteps there, you know, now he's the only John to get there. Now he gets his, he gets his shine and he gets his time. So I think, I think it's good for him. I think he's going to grow a lot as a fighter. You know, I'm excited. He's still going to be in my corner for my fight and I'll still be in his corner for his. So we're still super close, but, but yeah, I do miss him. Yeah. And that's great. Uh, That was actually my next question. I was going to ask that you were going to make the trip out and all that good stuff. So it's good to hear that you will now. I do want to ask about the fight coming up. Reality Barcelos is a big fight. But before I do, I'm a big fan of MMA nicknames. I love knowing the stories behind them. Do, do you mind sharing? Because there's 100 Bulldogs. There's 100 Hitmen. There's 75 Warriors and things like that. There's one Chapo. Uh, do you mind giving me the, the, the origin of Chapo and where it came from? Yeah, actually, Chapo um, was a childhood nickname that I had. I've had it for... As long as I can remember, uh, believe it or not, I've always been short my entire life, and it, it's uh, Spanish for shorty. So they've been uh, my parents and my family have been calling me Chapo for for years. Um, so yeah, I just I just stuck with it with uh, is a fight name. You know, I didn't want to come up with anything just cheesy or off the wall that made no sense. So I just stuck with my nickname that people been calling me forever. I, I like that. And in, in, at at you know, like when you signed up for your first amateur fight, it was it was Chapo right away. You just you just threw that on there. Yeah, yeah, it was it was always Chapo. Uh, I dig it, I dig it. Now, all right, so let's talk a little bit about this fight with Rayoni Barcelos. This is a guy who's been there. You know, like, he's been there, done that. And, and not that your career doesn't, 
you know, doesn't speak for itself at this point, right? You obviously you've got tons of wins, you've got knockout wins and stuff like that. But also, if you look at the guys you fought, you know, it's not grizzly veterans like Rayoni Barcelos, who's been in there with guys like you know Umar Nurmagomedov, Saad Nurmagomedov, and Chris Gutierrez. Like he he's been in the UFC seemingly forever. Do you feel like this is the big moment for you? This is the moment where you take that huge step forward and into the top 15. Yeah, you know, that's exactly why I like this fight, because everybody I talk to says the same thing as, as you. It's like, this is a guy who has a name. This is a guy who's been around the block. This is a guy who has a lot of respect in the Bantamweight division. You know, so that that's the thing that excites me the most about this fight. Because, I mean, I know that I've been fighting tough guys. Like, I mean, time will tell. You know, I fought Adrian B. Adrian Giannis. I've all these other guys that I've fought. Like, I mean, I've been fighting the highest-level guys, but I knew it was time for me to kind of take a step up with that and fight somebody that um, people respected a little bit more, respected the name a little bit more. You know, when Rayoni first came in the UFC, he was on a five-fight win streak, you know, tearing through people. And um, so that that's what, that's exci- that excites me. You know, I feel like um, I'm 4-2 in the UFC. I feel like the step up for me, I feel like it was the perfect time. So, uh, I am I am excited to be fighting somebody that people are going to have a little more eyes on. And once I get this win, they will be talking about, oh, maybe this guy will be in the top 15. You know, maybe it'll be, it won't be too long before this guy gets a number besides his name. Absolutely. Now, I, I'm glad you mentioned the Inez fight because I, I was going to talk about the Inez fight. You have a win over Adrian Inez, a guy who tons of people have been talking about lately because he's, you know, he's an exciting fighter. He picked up a couple of big wins. He booked himself a big fight with Rob Font. Obviously, he didn't come out on top of that, but he kept, he booked himself a big fight with Rob Font. Is, is it kind of frustrating to know that you, like, not only you beat him, you, you beat him for a title, and it just kind of like it was the time the world wasn't watching. Is that frustrating to you? No, it's not frustrating to me, you know, because, I mean, I, there's no hate here, you know. Like, I mean, I'm happy for Adrian doing everything that he's doing. And and I, I know that uh, – I know time will tell. I know I know my skill set. Adrian's just one of the guys that, um, that I fought. But, I mean, I fought a ton of tough guys even before that. Some guys that – I mean, in MMA, some people make it and some people don't. And sometimes it's not about how good of a fighter they are. Like, I fought this guy named uh, Levi Miles, who I think he just recently retired. And – um he wasn't able to make weight a couple of times, whatever it was, but he had a war against Rafion Stotts, isn't that who was a Bellator champ? I mean, these guys are all high level. I came through LFA, you know, so everybody in LFA, the the, the level's there. So I've I've honestly been happy to see Adrian um, getting that shine and doing his thing, and I just um, I'm just focused on myself, you know. I know that my time will come. I just uh, keep on working and keep beating tough dudes, and um, I'll be right up there as well. Absolutely. Now let's get back to Barcelos. You know, you mentioned. It's big for you because it's a big name. It's a guy people know. But also, talk to me a little bit about what you thought about him stylistically when they offered you him as an opponent. I think stylistically it's a great matchup. You know, I love it. I know that he's going to get in my face. I know that he's going to bring the fight. And um, I really strive in those type of fights. Um, I do know that he uh, just re- he had a he had a loss against Umar Nurmagomedov, which is, I mean, nobody wants to fight that guy anything, so you take that with a grain of salt. But he's also 36 year old, and that was that was a nasty knockout, you know, and that was just in January. So I think that that's going to be in the back of his head a little bit, you know, especially when you're going in with a guy like me who's thrown with intentions like I have. Like, I mean, it wasn't that hard of a shot. It was like kind of a fake knee to a hook, um, and it it put him out cold, you know. Um, and so I don't know, maybe his maybe his chin is recovered, but that's pretty soon for your chin to be able to recover. So I think that will be in the back of his head, and it'll be interesting to see 
if he does want to just come to the center of the ring and um and go toe to toe with me like he has uh, some of the other guys, or if he wants to kind of switch it up and do some more wrestling. But stylistically, I think my boxing's better. I think I'm a better wrestler, and I think that my ground game is really um, people haven't really seen what I have on the ground. So I think it's a fan favorite fight, but I know that if I just do what I'm capable of doing, I'm going to come out with the win. All right, so you, you sort of tipped your hand there a little bit because usually I like to end these things with a prediction. You mentioned it's on the back of Rayoni Barcelos's mind, that pass knockout. Sounds like it's on the front of yours, so give me the official prediction. How you see this one ending come June 17th? I see it ending with the knockout. You know, I'm I'm just I'm not really focused on him. I'm more so focused on uh, what I'm what I'm doing. And I, I'm not saying like maybe maybe his chin has recovered. Maybe we're gonna see the best Rayoni that the UFC has seen. I hope so. You know, for for him, I hope that I hope that we do get to see the best Rayoni that the UFC has seen. But I know where I'm at right now. The improvements I've made um, in in my cardio and my striking and my ground game. If I just do what I need to do, um, I see myself catching him and uh, finishing him. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Miles Johns, who fights Rayoni Barcelos at UFC Vegas 75. That fight, once again, June 17th. Miles, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Miles Johns. I, once again, am Daniel Gubby Freeland, and joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I think we got to start in the obvious place. Amanda Nunez dominates this past weekend at UFC 289, and... She steps down. She decides this is it. This is it for her. Uh, what are your thoughts on this being her time to retire and the way that she went out? Uh, good for her. Uh, you know, she is the female goat, in my opinion. Uh, no doubt about it. I've seen some chatter about her being the best fighter of all time. That's something I would have to parse out in my head more to really tackle that question. She's definitely the best female fighter of all time. You look at the resume beating Ronda Rousey, uh, uh, Cyborg, and everyone in between. I will say it's great how she went out, another dominant victory. It does feel like there's a little unfinished business with Juliana Pena. I would have liked to have seen her win the rubber match. It doesn't affect anything. It doesn't mean she's not going in the Hall of Fame. It annoys me that Juliana Pena will probably market herself off of this as one-and-one uh with Amanda Nunes but other than that it was a great career and much respect to her yeah I, I would say what you said there at the end is probably the most important thing it will be annoying to hear Juliana Pena talk about it but like it's not like there were any questions in anybody's head about who is better than who right like one caught the other one on a bad day uh and the other one tore the other one apart for 25 straight minutes when she was at her best so um, you know, I, I don't think the trilogy was needed, uh, but like you said, more annoying than anything else. Well, I'll tell you what is needed. It's our favorite segment on the show, and we're doing it lightning style today due to limited taping window, uh, but we're going to be bringing in extra spicy predictions for fights, dogs, and parlays, UFC Vegas 75. We'll give you a couple of fights we like, a dog, and a parlay to play. Gumby, before we get into it, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fight Songs and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Songs and Parlays brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink sports beverage, or rather adult beverage, with sports drink flavor. Make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume. 
in a special blend of electrolytes and way more than a hint of flavor. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. All right. All things told, we have a pretty tight mean event here when it comes to the odds. Uh, and I got to tell you, you know, last week, Gumby, we were right on the fact that Charles Oliveira should never have been a plus 105 dog in that matchup with Benil Darouche. I like to think we're better than the odds makers. But that being said, this is a close fight. Marvin Vittoria, minus 150 favorite. Jared Cannonier, a plus 125 dog. Who you got? I'm going to go with Jared Cannonier here. I, I think uh, Marvin Vittori, he's clearly got the wrestling advantage. I just don't know that he can do it in a sustained enough way, in a consistent enough way, especially over five rounds. That's going to give Cannonier trouble. Cannonier's so tough in there. He hits so hard. And, and I think, uh, you know, what we saw with him on top of Derek Brunson shows me that he's got enough ground game in his own right that this will probably take place on the feet. And I, I just don't trust uh, Marvin Vittori, especially as a favorite, to get it done with his striking. Two weeks in a row in a main event or co-main event, we go with a dog. I'm telling you, we're good at what we do. You're going to want to be taking your notes on this. We are picking Cannoneer at plus 125. I think the odds are off on this one as well. I agree completely. Armin Sarukian, uh, a minus 900 favorite, a 9-1 to one favorite against Joaquim Silva at plus 600, a 6-1 to one dog. What's the path to victory for Silva if there is one? And who's your official pick? I, I don't think there is one. I, I don't mean to be mean, but like maybe jujitsu. I'll say maybe jujitsu is the thing. But like, look, the fact of the matter is, is Armand Sarukian is a guy who has been tearing through the UFC. He had a fight in the night fight with Islam Makashev on short notice for his debut. Since then, he beat the likes of Olivier Alba-Mercier, Davi Ramos, Matt Frivola, which, by the way, that aged well. He's also beat Yola Alvarez, Christos Diagos, Demiris Magulov, and he had a close fight in the night performance with Matthews Gamrot. This is a dude who is probably legitimately a top 5 to 10 guy in the division, and because they couldn't find him an opponent, they're setting him up with Joaquim Silva, who... It seems like fights like once every two years or something like that, and recently got knocked out by Ricky Glenn. I don't know why this fight is being made. Negative 900 seems like a crazy thing to lay, but it's probably not wide enough. So give me Armin Sarukian. Pat Sabatini is a minus 185 favorite to Lucas Almeida, a plus 150 dog. Who you got? So I'm going to go with Sabatini here. I think um, I think his odds are probably not even higher just based on the fact that he is coming off of that loss to Damon Jackson where he got knocked out. And obviously, you know, a, a one-minute and nine-second knockout is alarming no matter when it happens and who it happens to. But the fact of the matter is he, he was rolling in every single one of his fights leading into this one. And then he gets caught by Damon Jackson. He's got great wrestling. He's got great jujitsu. He's got great finishing ability. And he's going to be up against the guy in Lucas Almeida, who I, I think is maybe being overrated by his recent results. Like, I, I think he's good. Uh, but, you know, like, I, I think he's being a little bit, you know, maybe maybe a little bit hyped up because he, he had a good fight with Mike Trezano and since had books with Andre Feely and Hakeem Dawudo. But he is a guy who lost to Daniel Zellhuber on the uh, Contender Series. I think he probably just gets steamrolled here and wrestled like hell. So uh, give me Sabatini, negative 185. Our dog of the week oh, 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 is Miles John, a plus 190, almost a two-to-one dog. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. When I went to uh, go interview Miles Johns for this episode, I was a little surprised 
to start when in my research that he was an underdog here. Because don't get me wrong, Randy Barcelos is kind of that like bigger named guy that like helps you get into the ranked opponents. But he is also one in three in his last four. Since in the last three years, this guy has won one fight. Meanwhile, Miles Johns has knocked out two of his last four opponents and won three of his last four fights. The only guy who beat him was John Castaneda. Um, and John Castaneda, you know, really tough guy, really good top control and really good wrestling. Um, and apart from just like getting caught, Miles John has a loss to anybody. And look, Rowney Barcelos has not finished anybody since he finished Carlos Achuain in May of 2019. So uh, I think you're going to have to, you know, knock out Miles Johns in order to beat him. And I don't think Rowney Barcelos is doing that. So give me Miles Johns here at the big plus money. All right, our parlay to play is Modestus Bukakis, who's a minus 165, and Ronnie Lawrence, a minus 150. So both betting off about the same odds for favorites. Parlay it together, though. It'll get you plus 168 odds. Break it down. Yeah, so I love Modestus Bukakis in this fight against Zach Pounga. Pounga down at one uh, or uh, 205, rather. Uh, instead of heavyweight, has been relying a lot more on his wrestling, and I just don't think that's a reasonable path to victory against Bukaskis, who pretty much is really good at circling off the cage and using his hands. Uh, we, we, we saw him box really well in his last fight. I think he does it again here. And, you know, the flip side on this one, Ronnie Lawrence, really great wrestler, and I don't know that Dan Argetta is going to be able to get it going in the grappling department against the guy who grapples better than him. So I, I think Bukaskis avoids the wrestling, Ronnie Lawrence gets the wrestling going himself, and we cash a big 1688 here. I love it. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fight Dogs and Parlays. We're pretty good at what we do. Let us know if we did you right, or let us know if we did you dirty with these picks at Top Turtle MMA on the social media. Gumby, we're partying here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with the aforementioned Modestus Bukaskis, who is talking about his trip down to Australia to win his return to the UFC and his upcoming fight this weekend with Zach Ponga. And we're going to get to all that great content for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Modestus Bukaskis, who fights Zach Ponga at UFC Vegas 75. That fight is on June 17th. So, Modestus, I wanted to start here. You, you got a short notice fight to come back into the UFC. And for a lot of people, that takes the pressure off. But you're also coming into the UFC for the second time, coming off of a three-fight losing streak in the organization. Did you feel more or less pressure this time fighting in the UFC? I don't know. I think, obviously, I think it was less pressure, but not because like of anything like externally. It was more just because I had more confidence in myself and my abilities and who I am as a person and everything that I'd been through. So, you know, second time round is more, I, I guess there's more hunger because, you know, I didn't really get to prove myself properly the first time around. I didn't get to do things the way I wanted to the first time around. So it was a, it was a little bit of a, uh, a redemption. It, it, it was a, um, it was a path of redemption for me. And, and that just gave, that just lit a fire underneath me as, as opposed to like feeling pressure or nerves. I kind of just embraced it. I've, I've been going along a, the same line of, just embracing more like pressure nerve wracking situations more often. And, and I kind of thrive now more in those situations and, and Australia was one of them. And uh, yeah, like I say, I, I just enjoyed the whole process. Now you, you mentioned in there that you felt like a different fighter. You feel like a different fighter this time through. Is, is it just that, is it the confidence or is there some aspect of your game 
that you feel like has really evolved from the first time you were in the UFC? Um, yeah, I definitely think I'll, I'll definitely say that mentally, uh, I've I've just become a completely different person. Even the way I look at the game, the way I'll go into fights, the way I'm I'm kind of almost like tapping into my ancestors to, to to get me prepared for war and for battle. Like these are things that I never really even never even really crossed my mind the first time round. And um, also, yeah, hundred percent the skill sets now. I still stand by what I was saying before. Like no one's seen my grappling, no one's seen my wrestling, no one knows what I can do in that area because people have yet uh, have yet to see it, uh, yet to see me do anything with it um, in in the UFC. And uh, obviously, I'm really excited to show those skills out. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously now now I'm switch now I'm switching stances. Now I'm a lot more confident in there. I'm I'm learning how to fight in the pocket a lot better. Um, so yeah, and I've I've just been leveling up everywhere as much as I can. That that year off yeah i guess you could say however long i had off before my first fight yeah it was about just over a year uh out from competition um is really much needed in order for me to develop my overall game uh and just to make me the fighter who i am today that makes a lot of sense to me now you you said you know the confidence level is up and the pressure was down in australia but at the same time i gotta ask after having that long of a time out of the ufc's octagon after going that long without a UFC win, what did it feel like when they finally, you know, raised your hand for the first time in, in quite a while? Yeah, no, nah, it was, uh, I mean, I really can't even describe it. You know, at first we, I, I was kind of thinking, oh, it's, okay, it's a decision. And like, you know, uh, both Will and my dad were like, you know, this is Australia could kind of go either way because obviously it was a very close fight. And then as soon as they read the scorecards, I was kind of like, OK, it should it should it should go to me. Like they're saying it's a unanimous, unanimous decision. It should go to me. And then obviously there was that massive bit of relief when I got my hand raised and they said my name, um, you know, to be the end on a, on a rightful decision was was obviously amazing. But, you know, and obviously, I, I don't know, I kind of fed off of that energy because, you know, the, it just shows how how much the, the crowd really supports their fighters and, you know, they're, they're getting into it. And I don't know, just being in front of 14,000 people was amazing. I just, like I said, I just really embraced everything. Uh, as soon as I left the cage, that's when I re it really hit me that I've just went to another country on literally two, like two and a half weeks notice and I've gone and beat the hometown guy. That's when it really hit me. When I went backstage and, you know, I sat there, you know, I had a bit of a moment with my dad because, you know, I was basically just saying to him, like, you know, look at all that we've been through, all the, 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 the dark, really dark times and to turn it around like quite quickly. If you imagine like from, from being cut and having the, one of the worst injuries in MMA to coming back, you know, I think within like 16 months, like it's, it's quite unheard of. So uh, uh, it, was, it was a moment for me that, that really, it was a really special moment because of what I had to go through to actually get to that point. Yeah, and you mentioned fighting in Australia too. I've actually talked about a couple of other guys going down to Australia and beating Australians. Did you find the crowd extra hostile? You know, I, I know some have found it one way, but others have found that, that they were pretty welcoming down there. Um, well, they weren't necessarily... Do you know what? It was less, like, hostile. It was more just they're supporting their guy. And obviously, it's like, you know, when you go to a football game and, I, I don't know, like, you know, obviously it's just the opposing... It's the away team. It's the away side. They're not going to exactly cheer for them, are they? Do you know what I mean? So... Um, obviously, I, I, like, I went in there expecting that because I knew that was probably going to be the case. But now, of course, like, look, when I when I went after the fight and, you know, you go into the hotel lobby and, you, you know, 
you meet some Australians, they're all like, oh, that was a great fight and this and that. No, they're very respectful, very nice people, very lovely country. Um, and that's why I said that in the post-fight uh, in the post-fight um, interview with with Bisping. You know, it is it's a beautiful country, beautiful people, and of course they just get behind their fighters, which is absolutely amazing to see. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't really hostile. It was more like kind of well, I expected that they're probably going to boo me. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Now you you mentioned your grappling, uh, and and I want to go to talking about this fight with Zach Ponga. Zach Ponga is a guy that since he's come back to down to 205 after the Ultimate Fighter has sort of relied on his grappling. He's a guy who likes to mix it up in the clinch. He's a guy who likes to grind on you. What were sort of your thoughts when they first told you that that was who they wanted you to fight next? Yeah, so um, he was actually one of the one of the opponents that I kind of put forward to my manager. Hey, listen, let's 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 fight one of these guys next. Uh, it's mad because. I know he's probably been watching me fight for quite a long time. I've actually been watching him fight for quite a long time because obviously he's fought on Cage Warriors. And I remember when I when I was just about to sign back with Cage Warriors, that was one name that kind of popped up that could potentially, you know, oh, okay, if we're going for the belt, this guy wants to fight for the belt. And then obviously he then went to the Ultimate Fighter. So, um, I mean, look, he's 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 well rounded. You know, he's he he's he's good in every in in every area. Nothing really stands out for me as like you know any one particular uh, skill set that's like spectacular or you know um, you know like is his forte. He's just very good at everything. Um, yeah, he's got very heavy like grappling style, but you know, obviously, he's got heavy hands as well. It's it's it, it's just. To me, it's a fun fight. You know, he's, he's done very well in a very short space of time to accumulate all the skills needed to be, you know, well-rounded uh, mixed martial artist. Uh, but then, at the end of the day, I'm going in there to take him out. You know, um, like when, when I first when I first got the matchup, I'm like, this is the guy that I know I can beat. So you know, that's why I put, I put his name forward. And then obviously we had a little conversation on Twitter, basically saying, yo, let's let let's fight, let's get it going. And then next thing you know, here we are. So you know, obviously both. Uh, both of us on each end think we can beat each other and you know we're, we're, we're gonna go in there and, and try try and take each other's heads off and uh i do believe my overall skill set is going to uh trump his overall skill set and uh you know if people don't know about it now they're gonna find out about it on june 17th well that's that's a perfect lead into getting your prediction on the fight so uh let's end it off with this how do you see this one ending with zach Ponga on june 17th I believe I'm going to finish him. Doesn't matter if it's in the first, second, or third, but I will finish him. Um, he's a, he's a great athlete, a great competitor, but I'm better, and I'm going to show that. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Modestus Bukaskis, who fights Zach Ponga at UFC Vegas 75. That fight, once again, is on June 17th. Modestus, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. My man, thank you so much, my brother. Really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Hard Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. Until next week, I'm Danny Gimby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.